Welcome to the Football by Football Podcast. Welcome back to the Football by Football Podcast. I'm Matt Chatham, your host, here once again to do a show about NFL injuries. We're doing the NFL injury update, where the teams stand for week one. Join with me as always, FPF writer, former NFL quarterback and Notre Dame alum. We got Brady Quinn on the line. What's up, Brady? Not much, man. I'm having a great weekend after my Irish just pounded Texas in their uh, first game of the season. They did. It uh, it made no sense. Texas may as well have been Texas State. It was one of those weeks. I had Syracuse yeah. winning 37 or 37, 47 something to nothing. So I was uh, I was overseeing a, a stinker myself. So uh, well, anyway, what it actually they, it brings up a good point, sort of pivoting off of the uh, the college stuff, and we're going to do this show basically on NFL injuries. Uh, but in that Syracuse game that I did, and, and a guy that you wrote about when you did your ACC preview show preview column for FootballByFootball.com last week, you talked a little bit about Terrell Hunt, and we had this guy in the game who's the quarterback for Syracuse, missed most of last season with a broken leg. Spends all offseason just rehabbing his butt off. His father's in the stands. He's ready to go, and he blows out his Achilles just a few minutes into the game. Uh, it was a crushing thing. It's so tough to see, but what's really the undercurrent of this t- entire show we're doing is just the reality of injuries and the difficulty you may see of a guy who's sitting on your team's sort of injury news heading kind of deal where he's been dealing with something and you're trying to anticipate what he may be like on week one of the season or if you've outright lost some guys or they've gone on pup or the designation to return or something along those lines so brady and i are going to go around the nfl and talk about some of those situations and just see what's the landscape so uh, before we dive into specific teams though i wanted to throw it up to you brady i know you've dealt with stuff i've dealt with stuff every nfl player has dealt with stuff but i want to talk just a little bit about personal experience rehabbing something behind the scenes that you might be listed for on the on an injury report, but that you're going to go out there and play the next week. What, what's the process like? What are your own personal expectations when you know you're, you're held back slightly? That's the hardest part is, you know, in a league where unless you're just one of those unique athletes, right, like an Adrian Peterson or a Calvin Johnson, where you're so far superior of a better athlete than your opponents, you have to be at 100%, man. If you go out there and you go, go try to play through something and you're not at your best, uh, it's going to show. And, and that's really your resume. That's the hardest part is fans don't realize as much as they want those star players to be out there, uh, if they're not 100% and they're out there trying to get through an injury and playing through some pain and it doesn't quite look as good but they're getting the job done, well, all of a sudden when they come back for a contract renegotiation, you know how this works. I mean, they're going to be dinging away at you and some of the things that you didn't do as well as you could have done and you know, your game slipping and all that. So that's kind of the hardest part about all of it is, there's so much emotion, so much passion for the game and for wanting to be out there for your teammates to fight through injuries. But then on the flip side and the business aspect of all of it, uh, you got to be careful because that's where you can get into some trouble where you end up playing below what you're really capable of performing. And all of a sudden you're either not in the league or you're not getting paid what you should probably be getting paid. Uh, but I, I know I've, I've I had to battle through a Liz Frank injury that I had in 2009. Uh, and after really not getting a surgically repaired, probably need surgically repaired now, I mean, it was a constant every morning, uh, you know, doing rehab for different, you know, foot strengthening, balance drills, things of that nature, getting treatment on it. And then after practice, you were doing the same thing. 
Uh, I had ribs that I was um, getting shot up uh, to numb my whole uh, right side, and I was taking painkillers and anti-inflammatories and all these things just so I could try to sleep at night because it was so cumbersome and uncomfortable. And the hardest thing about that kind of injury is no one can see it. So everyone looks at you and they think, oh, he looks right. fine. He's not limping. He's not walking around. But really, every time I picked up that ball to throw, man, I was wincing. I couldn't sleep for anything at night uh, because it hurt so bad to try to sleep on my side no matter which way I slept, the way my ribs sat. So, you know, that's the reality of NFL players, man. I mean, we talk about it all the time. The injury rate's 100%. Yeah, it sure is. And one of the things we wanted to sort of highlight here is, you know, your each each listener has a different team here that they cheer for, a different injury report that they're a little more concerned with. And I know obviously the flip side of that as well is we all play fantasy football these days and in fantasy football everyone's on your team. So there's a there's a concern about, you know, I'm reading a report and it says hammy, but it's been a few weeks and he should be okay and sort of, oh, soft tissue this or that, or, oh, he's been cleared by concussion, all those kinds of things where I think there is sort of a backstory to all those situations where you just kind of can't know unless you're the one dealing with it. Uh, one of the things I wanted to touch on, something I've had personal experience with, and I'm, I'm curious if you have as well, sort of these chain reaction kind of injuries, and we see this in the league quite a bit, uh, a guy that's dealing with a soft tissue thing in one area Maybe he eventually gets over it, but he's nursing it. He's favoring it. It's, you know, maybe it's a hamstring or, or some sort of pull. And then all of a sudden something somewhere else in his body goes, uh, you know, I've, I've had, I had a, a hamstring tear and I had foot surgery for a, a, a sesamoid joint re- replacement, like basically just redid reconstruction on my foot. And years later at, to the end of my career, I have knee problems and I'd never had torn a ligament. It was just, cartilage had degenerated because I was having those two problems and favoring the hell out of it. I'm looking at the reports of a lot of these big names that are going around the league. You know, obviously there's been some decent news coming out of Houston that Arian Foster's may, may miss only up to a month, but there's some other huge names out there that are all dealing with these soft tissue kind of things where in the back of my head as a player, having experienced it, you're thinking kind of what you said, Brady, you got to wait that thing out, make sure you're tight and ready to roll. Uh, When you go out with it at 80%, Injury re-rate's pretty high, and the idea that you'll tweak something else is, is that as well. Uh, Victor Cruz, which, man, everyone was excited to get that guy in the field with, with uh, Odell Beckham, at, you know, and he's been dealing with a calf all camp. Uh, you look at – let's go down the list here. Alshon Jeffrey, uh, you know, uh, Brandon Marshall, excuse me, Brandon Marshall leaves town. And Kevin White's the big new thing, the first-round draft pick, the freakish athlete going to come in and reignite the offense. Uh, White's done, and Alshon Jeffrey's dealing with a calf, the pressure to be their number one. Um, I can keep going on here, but I guess I'll just flip it over to you, uh, Brady. What, uh, what any experience have you had with one thing that may lead to another thing or sort of the cautionary tales to the guys that are out there, and you're trying to determine, is that receiver that I want, you're going to be up to speed. <laughs> He's been dealing with this for several weeks, and we haven't seen him. Is he going to magically appear on game week one, game one, and have the production I expect? Yeah, that's the hardest part to determine, and in particular as a quarterback, uh, you know, you look for those cornerbacks, those DBs who are coming off a hamstring injury, and you say on your, uh, you know, when you're game planning, you say, all right, I'm going to take a shot early. I'm going to see what if yeah. this guy can open up, or, I'm, or, or we're going to do a double move because, you know, if you've got a hamstring injury, one of the things uh, that's really tough to do is stop and start again. That's when it kind of oh, grabs, and that's when point. you end up uh, hurting that hamstring again. So. You know, those are the sort of things we'd look at as a quarterback. And if it was a wide receiver, you're kind of sitting out there going, I don't care if he's my number one. You know, I'm not trying to, you know, do anything that necessarily, you know, puts him out for another so many weeks. I'd rather him be more cautious 
and get in there when he's ready and try to all of a sudden, uh, you know, make him make sure he stretches or lunges for something, whether they're trying to test him on practice to see if he's ready for the game or whatever it is. But there's no doubt the, the body's an incredible organism where it automatically compensates without us even understanding that. You know, and there's all I've had all sorts of foot issues that I'm sure, which has led to my back issues and things of that nature. And, and that's just kind of how the body's connected. When we have pain somewhere else, compensate to avoid that pain and thus causing, you know, other injuries because we overuse those muscles. You know, there's a, there's a technique called muscle activation technique. A guy named Greg Roscoff started out in Denver. A lot of players go to him for these soft tissue injuries you're talking about. And the reason is, and the whole premise is, he tries to find the actual cause of the problem, the actual issue or the actual muscle right. that shut down isn't firing. Because a lot of these players sometimes they end up, you know, uh, getting stretched out or they have a massage on this uh, tight hamstring when really it might be because their hip's not firing or their glute's not firing. So he, he kind of helps find the actual cause of the problem and tries to find a solution for it instead of just treating uh, sometimes, you know, that tight hamstring or tight calf when that injury might be somewhere else. So that's a, that's a technique that I know a lot of players try to use as well to try to avoid some of these soft tissue injuries. Yeah, it's actually really interesting that you brought that up, Ray. I think that's an excellent point, something that personally I dealt with quite a bit. I uh, wasn't familiar with that particular technique, but it was something we were using uh, to go to attachments as opposed to the center point. So for fans out there that listen that haven't dealt with this before, so think of a hamstring. That's you know obviously the muscle running between the knee and hip. It, it, I, they, we were given sort of the, uh, the analogy of a, a rubber band. So say if you were to have a tear right in the middle of the rubber band and you're stretching it between two fingers, you don't heal that tear in the middle by continuing to agitate where the tear was or even putting salve on it or doing whatever you would. You don't massage that point. <laughs> what you do is you take the tension off the two fingers stretching the rubber band out. So if you can reduce tension at the behind the knee and up above at the hip, all of a sudden there's not as much tension on that tear spot and it heals much easier. So I don't know what the hell they'd call that as far as technique, but uh, it was something that I learned quickly that when I was having hamstring problems, it was probably because my hips were messed up. But uh, yeah, anyway, exactly. so moving on, we're going we're gonna to dive in here and get real specific because that's really sort of the point of the show. We want to want you, you people out there listening to, to kind of have a, your mind's eye on the injuries that guys have and understand what they're dealing with and trying to project forward what your team's going to do. Uh, based in large part by whose roster is most banged up. We can we can talk free agency and draft and uh, power rankings and projections and all that kind of stuff all day long, but the most important thing at the end of the day is who's playing and in what shape are they playing. So one of the teams I sort of had my, my big circle around for team that was potentially maybe up and coming, if you can put the logo aside and the, the past chaos and all that, the, the Oakland Raiders are really healthy and have some nice young talent. And they seem to have a quarterback that's going to be their guy. And it's a situation where, you know what, in a, in a, in a conversation of likes, these guys are whole and they're on the upswing. Any thoughts there, Brady, on, on what's going on out in Oakland? Yeah, you know, I mean, obviously anytime you can have a healthy offensive line around a quarterback like Derek Carr, that's going to help. Because last year he was kind of running for his life a little bit. Uh, I actually think they just lost Menelik Watson, though, uh, one of their tackles, if I'm not mistaken. Um, and, and that obviously would be a, a bit of an injury for that group in particular. But, look, I mean, they they are a team that I think with Jack Del Rio right now, it, he's kind of changed the whole vibe and culture, uh, you know, in that facility. I mean, you can just tell. It seems like they're on to kind of something special. I don't know how much better it would be in the win-loss column because they play in such a tough division when you're talking about the Denver Broncos and Kansas City Chiefs and, and what those teams bring to the table. But 
uh, I definitely think they have the opportunity because they're healthy right now entering the season to at least, you know, create a little spark, have a little buzz. And, uh, you know, hopefully Derek Carr and Amari Cooper will continue to grow together if they can both, again, stay healthy. Yeah, I think it's a good point. You're absolutely right. Watson towards Achilles is out for the season. But uh, in the land of NFL injury reports with uh, all 32 teams having one guy down, you're at the head of the class. So Yeah, no, there's, there's no doubt. And, you know, another guy I failed to mention, like, uh, Clive Walford. He's a tight end actually from uh, Miami. You know, another solid player. Now, we talked about soft tissue injuries. He's got a hamstring, so he's week to week. Yeah. Um, but they've got a lot of young talent there, man. I, I, I think you're right. I think they've got a lot to build around. Um, hopefully they'll be patient there. That's the biggest thing. The Oakland Raiders and the Cleveland Browns have been two of those organizations that just continue to keep turning over coaches. And a lot of times it's because they've got so many guys banged up or on injuries. I mean, they don't have the talented players out there to actually play. I mean, I I was in Cleveland in 2008. We had 14 guys on IR, 14 guys. And we ended up going 4-12. and No kidding. What do you think we're going to do? And, of course, they clean house. They fire GM, uh, GM, head coach, everyone. We were ten and six the year before, so hopefully they'll give them a little more chance to be a little more stability, you know, have stability there. Well, one of the uh, obviously easy places for me to go next when we're sort of going around the dial is New England. I mean, it's where I work, where I played. Uh, you know, working here in this environment, you hear a lot about Tom Brady working outside this market. This particular offseason, you hear a lot about Tom Brady, but obviously he's the big addition. Everyone understands he's going to be there on opening day, and that should just make everything all right. But I think there's reason for reservation about what you're going to see in this first month because Brandon LaFell was sort of a, 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 you know, a sneaky small headline here locally where he's going to start the season on PUP. Uh, I still had his leg in a boot a little while ago, came out of it, has been showing up at practice, but not practicing. But I think there was a thought that he was being sort of kept under wraps during preseason. They were just going to unveil him and he was going to play and play like he did a year ago so excellently. Uh, but that's not the case. So you lose one of your big weapons on offense. Julian Edelman has been day-to-day with what we believe is a lower injury. lower. It's a lower lower leg, so we can call it ankle, we can call it calf. We're not exactly sure, but he's been dealing with something, but word is that he's not, he's going to be fine. Now they lose Mike Devlin, their fullback, excuse me, James Devlin, their fullback, who's who's been a huge part of what they do. Um and I'm just curious, sort of, from your point of view, obviously, as a quarterback, it's it's easy to say, hey, you got Tom Brady back, or hey, you got Peyton Manning, or Phillip Rivers, or whatever it is. But when all the, the complement of weapons that you're going to have to throw to haven't been with you throughout the entire preseason, and... As a, as a side note here, the offensive line hasn't been there either. They're, a couple other starters might potentially be there on opening day for the first time. They've even worked together. How is the lack of preseason continuity uh, carry over the regular season? Is there an expected learning curve through maybe September, or is it possible to, to hit the ground running? I, I think it's it's possible, but it's got to be a veteran group, which I think New England has the ability to do that, and they have a lot of continuity with Josh McDaniels and his offense, so that gives them a chance, but I don't care who you are. I mean, when it comes down to it, it's incredibly difficult to be able to uh, lose a, a group of wide receivers like that that you have no chance to continue to work with, um, you know, as far as on a daily basis in camp to get some sort of, you know, rapport with or timing with, and all of a sudden try to plug them in. I mean, and let's be honest, too, you know, these guys who are out for the season, I mean, you mentioned whether it's Josh Boyce or Brandon Gibson, you know, a free agent pickup they got from Miami uh, Brandon LaFell, week to week, I mean, or returns week eight at the earliest. I mean, those are big losses. You've got to have guys who are difference makers to throw to. You can't just plug in guys and all of a sudden 
make them heroes in the NFL. That's just not how it works. So uh, that's, to me, the, one of the biggest losses. But, Chad, am I going to ask you this? I mean, if we're going to talk about no. New England injuries, isn't Tom Brady always on the injury report every week with some little something? I mean, it seems like there's something going on there in New England, you, and you've got an inside look of how all that works. Well, they always I, – I, I believe Tom is always uh, listed with a – is it probable or questionable with arm soreness or a shoulder or something like that? Like they always just list his throwing shoulder or something, something along those lines. But yeah, I, uh, my best guess is, yeah, he probably iced it. (laughs) You know, I I don't think there's really much to that story other than they just put it there to say it's always there. So that the one time where it's real, it it was already there. I I don't know. It's always been something where they, I, I, I think there's a bit of an aggravation with, the level of information they want to give because they consider it a, a competitive advantage. Like, do you want to, you know, draw a, an X marks the spot on your sore hamstring? <laughs> they don't. And I guess just maybe by getting out in front of it and saying he's hurt every week, <laughs> you, I don't know. I don't know the philosophy behind it, but that seems to be, yeah, you're right. Tommy's always on the list and it's always kind of a, whatever. Uh, in well, mind who, who was it? Uh, he used to always get up slow, the running back every time, but that wasn't Jim Brown or Walter Payton. One of the two, you used to always say they get up really slow. They wouldn't be trying to make their opponent feel as if like they were wearing them down, but they, they had just as much juice as they did the, did the play before. That was just their strategy. Try to play a little, maybe play lame a little bit. I don't know. Yeah, play a little possum. Play a little possum. Why not? Um, so going on to well, then I guess uh, an opponent, uh, or I wouldn't call him a rival. You don't get to rise to the level of rival by getting your, your butt kicked all the time by them. But the Colts uh, were in a situation this off season where there was plenty of reason to feel good about some of the additions they made offensively. I mean, bringing Andre Johnson over and hoping that he still got gas in the tank, super productive guy, making the nice, sneaky, nice uh, addition of Philip Dorsett in the uh, – adding to that receiver core, which is a bit of a a question – I guess it's an unusual addition because offensive weapons were not exactly the the deficiency on the team. It was more defense, but – now that same guy, uh, he's missed the third preseason game. Dorsett's been sort of day-to-day with another one of his own soft tissue things. T.Y. Hilton has been day-to-day with a concussion. Arthur Jones, uh, brother of, uh, of Chandler Jones here Chandler. in New England, is, yeah, is on IR with an ankle. And Robert Mathis, we know missed all last season with the suspension, has now uh, an Achilles issue that he's been dealing with throughout camp. And he's doubtful for week one but not put down. So he might be a part of it. So I'm I'm wondering sort of point of view there with the Colts is a team that I think a lot of people had as sort of a darling to come back. But if if they're a little banged up in some super important spots, just just have an Andrew Luck there and make it all right. No, and that's not how it works. And when you're talking about Andrew Luck, again, another quarterback who I think would want, in particular, a speedy guy like Philip Dorsett to get on the same page with. When you have a really fast guy, those are the toughest guys to kind of get – down the timing, uh, and in particular your three-step, five-step games and all that, because they're just that much speedier. They're, they're quicker in and out of cuts, and it, it takes just a little extra second because they're different. They're that much faster. So you got to lead them a little bit more. you got to chop your footwork down a little bit. So understanding that, getting those reps with those wide receivers as um, you know it gets closer to the regular season is vital if they're going to come right in and have an impact. But when you talk about two guys like T.Y. Hilton, Talk about Philip Dorsett being day to day, and you're talking about, uh, you know, a hamstring, uh, or, or excuse me, a knee in the case of Philip Dorsett. I mean, those are things that can nag and prolong. I mean, throughout the entire season, people don't realize 
how long this NFL season is, how hard it is to kind of be able to get out of it, you know, get out of it, or, or, or just be healthy at the end of the season. It's almost impossible. So uh, I can't imagine that's going to be easy. And then you're talking about Dan Heron, a running back. I know they brought in Frank Gore in the offseason, but you got to have still have compliments to your your main back. You you can't just have one guy and say we're going to hang our hat on this guy and not be able to give him a break. And and that injury, I think, to Dan Heron hurts as well. Yeah, it's a big deal. Surprise, a surprise guy just put down with an injury today. And, uh, you know, he's kind of the big back compliment. I mean, Frank Gore's going to get those yeah. carries. But, man, I, I Boom was kind of this guy that, you know, it's good to have the one-two punch, especially with Gore as an older back. I mean, you can't come in and expect him to get 30 carries. Well, we'll see how that goes. Sometimes those back-of-the-roster things going down end up having sort of major effects. So talking a little T.Y. Hilton gives me the opportunity here to sort of pivot for the reason that T.Y. is one of my receivers on my annual, my, my yearly, excuse me, fantasy football team. But uh, we're going to pause here for a second and talk a little bit about FanDuel, which is the daily game that we all love that is one of our big sponsors here on the FBF podcast. And we're pretty fired up because it's finally open week. Brady and I have been talking about college football and Brady deflategate nonsense for the last seven, eight months. We're ready to roll. The college football weekend started last this last weekend. We're now into the regular season stuff. Uh, FanDuel is the leader in one-week fantasy football with more winners and more payouts than any other site. That means they're number one. That's a big deal. They're playing. At, they're paying out over $75 million a week this football season. <laughs> I think I read that right. $75 million a week. That's pretty amazing. Now, what I like about FanDuel and what I think you should like as well is building the team is super easy. I'm not big on fantasy. It's just, I'm new to this stuff, but I'm, I've only been in for a short time, and I'm already super addicted because – FanDuel allows you to just pick players, stay under the salary cap, sit back on Sunday and watch your team because it's a weekly game. You don't have to get into the whole season-long thing. And entry fees are just a buck. They're a dollar. So anyone can play. The barrier to entry is super low. So during this season, we want you guys to build your team and let us know on our, how your squad's doing, if you have some questions, all those kind of things on Twitter. Hit me up at Chatham58. We'll have those conversations. We'll struggle through it together, but we're going to go out and make some money. Now go to FanDuel.com and click on the microphone in the upper right-hand corner. Use our code FBF and sign up now. Now we have a special offer, special offer here for FBF users. For every dollar you deposit, FanDuel is going to match match it with up to 200 bucks that gets earned as you play. Now that's a bonus of up to 200 dollars. It's only good for the first 50 people that use our code FBF. So don't forget don't forget to use that code FBF people. Now FanDuel.com where every day is a new season. That's F-A-N-D-U-E-L dot com. Sign up today. All right, now transitioning back into our little chat, we just bounced off the Colts. One of the other teams that was sort of exciting to me of what they could be this season, but now all of a sudden they've had their sort of bouts of injury issues in the preseason, is the damn Cowboys. Now, I'm as big a fan as any guy in the league of their offensive line. It's it's sick. It's so talent-laden. It's unbelievable the way they're being able to run the ball. DeMarco Murray leaves. They'll have this sort of uh, triumphant of backs uh, with potentially any number of three guys. Darren McFadden at some point maybe being the lead back, but it's still going to be a three-headed monster. But all that said, they've had a bunch of serious issues on the defensive side of the ball, and I thought they'd close the gap potentially with Philly and maybe even the Giants by playing a little better defense and still being able to hold the line with their great running game. But Orlando Skandrick at the, at, at the cornerback position went down with a knee, goes on IR. Brandon Carr, he's been out with a broken bone in his hand, had surgery, and is and supposed to be back, but that's your other starting corner. 
Orlando McLean, we all know his deal. He got suspended. He'll be back week five. So you lose one super productive linebacker. Uh, you gain one back in Sean Lee. So maybe that's a net zero, right? And uh, we all obviously know the Greg Hardy situation. He's not going to be back to week five, too. So are these Cowboys just so beat up right now, a combination of suspensions and injuries, that just September's a month to survive? Or how do you see things sort of playing out down there at Big D? I mean, it's obviously going to be tough if you don't have the corners to cover for anyone in particular when you're looking at a division with the Philadelphia Eagles. And I'm not saying they've got a bunch of burners on the outside, but what Chip Tilly does is he finds ways of getting guys open. You've got to have coverage downfield or at least someone to rush them in Greg Hardy. So, you know, as far as how long it takes Brandon Carr to get back uh, into the fray of things and feeling healthy and 100% again, who knows? Greg Hardy comes back, what, around week five? Um, yeah. It seems like it's going to take a little while before this defense can really be effective, but I just find it hard to believe that they're truly going to be able to compete in a division when you've got to deal with Chip Kelly's offense, and then you've got to deal with wide receivers of Victor Cruz and Odell Beckham Jr., uh, another a duo or a tandem that's going to be tough to difficult or tough to deal with if you don't have the coverage corners on the outside. So it doesn't bode well for the Cowboys' chances. I mean, um, you know, I, I sit there and I keep thinking back to their game versus the Green Bay Packers, another team who's kind of been bitten by the injury bug. And I'm going, those two teams had to have been two of the favorites coming into the season as far as trying to win an NFC title or a Super Bowl. And now right. with these injuries, you've got to say that's big time in question. Well, one of the things I'm wondering then is, okay, in that same division, if if the Cowboys had been in a position to ride it out, they want to fight off some of those teams that are that are there potentially neck and neck, or at least trying to gain ground, Philly being one of them, made some nice additions, purged some of those players from, from the Cowboys. But the New York Giants, again, we just saw them last week here. I doing the I did the final preseason game with the Patriots. So the fourth preseason game, I'm, you're not going to learn anything from. That's not so much the point. It's just how incredibly banged up there were, how many guys they had to sit. Usually they're sitting for, for luxury reasons. You've got a secondary there in New York where I'm not sure they know who their, their starting safeties are, or at least the guys that are going out are incredibly inexperienced. Actually, Brady Papinga, who writes with us at Football by Football, did a nice uh, column about this a week or so ago where he talked about the importance in Spagnuolo's defense of having really great safety play because so much is put upon their shoulders. I thought that was pretty cool, and it, it connected really well to the new rumor we're hearing where Cam Chancellor is sort of being, you know, given that courtesy call by the Giants to say, hey, if he's going to continue to hold out, is that guy available? But, uh, Brady, can you talk a little bit about as a quarterback – a team like New York where you know the scheme is pretty dependent upon high-level play at that spot, and they're beat up to all hell. they got a couple guys that have gone on IR. The inexperienced guys have popped in behind them. They don't. They may not have the answer they like on opening day. How does a quarterback sort of approach a group like that who also, without the problems on the back end, they don't have their top pass rusher in JPP. He's still uh, yeah, I know. working his way back from losing the finger. Yeah, it makes it hard when you when you can't really pass the football effectively or rush the passer in the NFL. It's a passing league, right? And I think when you right. look at uh, the way the offensive scheme is built with the New York Giants and offensive coordinator Ben McAdoo, he, you know, he's a product or he's a disciple of the Green Bay Packers. And if you look at them, they've always kind of had a duo. It's always been a tandem of wide receivers that have really been able to kind of take over and be effective in the passing game. It doesn't matter if it was Donald Driver and Greg Jennings uh, or if it's, you know, Jordy Nelson and Randall Cobb kind of the more recent duo of those two. So it, it's tough because, you know, you're looking for a flanker as far as your Z, and you're looking for some sort of split end of your X wide receiver to be able to balance out the field, not allow them to roll coverage one way or another and take away a lot of your options. So 
you know, I sit there and look at Ben McAdoo's offense kind of coming into a second year after everything that they were able to build uh, and, and build off of, I think, by the end of that season, it looked like things were flowing a little bit easier. Now I look at them and say, are they starting over again? I mean, is it now trying to find themselves? And, you know, if they can build off of what they did last year, if they're not 100% healthy, how does that change things? Right. So, and and to the question of if you're if you're attacking a, a group of safeties on the back end that you know have maybe been out there for a week, in what's a really difficult scheme? Uh, I mean, I was going to say that the easiest thing is if you've got safeties who are inexperienced. I mean, everyone's going to try to test them out with play action pass. They're going to put them in play situations action. where, uh, uh, unfortunately, they're going to have to be able to you know utilize their eye discipline. Which if you haven't playing very much, right? And you're now looking at your keys or indicators to figure out whether it's a run or a pass. That's probably the first thing that you need to kind of lock in on and get back get back with. But if you're an inexperienced safety or a guy who you know hasn't had a lot of time back in the fray, uh, those are some of the things that you kind of uh, I think get away from, right? Or the fundamentals and all that eye discipline. So I think that's the first way to attack them. You start doing play action pass. You start getting them to stop their feet. And all you need is a half second of those guys being flat footed. And there's wide receivers fast enough to be able to climb up and hit him over the top of the deep post or some sort of deep crossing route. That's all it takes in the NFL. All right, well, I have one last sort of team here that, that jumped off the page to me when I'm sort of going through the the roto of the injury situation. Spin that dial, find out what's going down. One of the teams that jumped out that I had sort of positive vibe, and maybe there's some bias there because I spent a lot of time with them in preseason going down to West Virginia and watching their squad practice between the Patriots and Saints. And I was actually really impressed with how good their defense looked, how well they played in the preseason game the next week. But, again, I know using those as projections forward is sometimes foolhardy. But as far as just name value and what you thought their you know, pretty, pretty porous defense from a year ago was going to make the jump back, I like the addition of Anthony Spencer working alongside Junior Gallette. We obviously know Gallette leaves, and he blows out something of his own, and he's done for the year. But Anthony, Anthony Spencer, Spencer was meant to be sort of that stability edge presence. Now, they had the Kiaka guy, I hope I said that right, from uh, UW, U Washington, that came in, a rookie that's actually really great Kikaha. in the preseason. Kakaha, is that right? There you, there you go. go. Yes, sir, Kakaha. All right. Well, he actually looked really good. So I think that makes the loss of Junior Gallette much more sort of digestible. But then they also lose Spencer to IR as well. Then the next sort of ball starts to drop. You know, they go get C.J. Spiller. Yeah, you lost uh, Jimmy Graham. There's no replacing that. There's no other Jimmy Graham to get. Uh, but you have uh, sort of a, uh, an explosive player now. You have a guy that can catch balls at the backfield. The offense is going to change a little bit. But C.J. Spiller, knee surgery, uh, minor thing, but he's he's questionable for week one, really hasn't been much a part of the preseason. If you're a fantasy owner out there and you're trying to maybe get a value pick guy, he's got to be down because of availability issues. But, you know, they still have uh, the old Alabama running back. I'm blanking on the name. Help me out, Brady. Mark Ingram. Mark Ingram, yeah, actually caught a great little wheel route on uh, Jamie Collins, who runs really well at the linebacker position. So maybe they're yeah. maybe they're just looking to get him more involved. But again, Anthony Spencer goes down. C.J. Spiller has been basically non-issue there in camp. And Jarris Bird, who was everyone's favorite free agent safety two years ago, missed most of last season, and he's been out indefinitely now with another e, with a knee thing continuing to flare up. So. What's sort of your take, Brady, on the Saints? Uh, is it is it too many losses there in important spots, or is this just a na- a group of guys who names we don't know yet who, who are still going to be be effective once the re- regular season gets rolling? 
No, I mean, look, I was once told this as a, as a young quarterback in the NFL is think playmakers, not plays, and, and you got to have playmakers. So a guy like C.J. Spiller not being either 100% or not being in there at all really hurts the production of your offense. And then when you're talking about a guy like Anthony Spencer, look, this team needed pass rushers. That was part of the problem was they were constantly playing from behind. They weren't able to get enough turnovers or be able to affect the, the passer of the opposing team. And now all of a sudden, if you've got a defensive coordinator like Rob Ryan and you don't have Keenan Lewis, you don't have P.J. Williams or Jarius Bird, he's got to have top-of-the-line defensive backs to run a scheme. There's no other way about it. He brings so much different pressure. And he gives you so many variety of looks that to have guys who can cover on the outside. And now all of a sudden these guys are out or they're, they're banged up and they're trying to come back. Uh, in the case of Keenan Lewis, at least, you know, out four to six weeks. He's, he's not going to be back the same for a while. It's going to be tough, especially if we start the season off that way. And all of a sudden, now you've got to play a lot more conservative on defense, and the Saints wind up exactly where they were last year, only, only this time without Jimmy Graham. So, it, to me, I mean, that's a huge loss to this team. Um, I think Drew Brees is one of the best quarterbacks in the league, but unfortunately, even, even a loss, you know, you're talking about Jimmy Graham, but even a loss like Nick Toon, that still affects it as well. Yeah. He's not just affected by, the, by C.J. Spiller loss. He's affected by a bigger-bodied target in Nick Toon as well. And maybe at the end of the day, just throwing it against the wall, having other people in the division have major losses of their own <laughs> with the Carolina Panthers to <laughs> losing Kelvin Benjamin. I mean, maybe they, I don't know, they, they cancel each other out. Who knows? But uh, it is a division that had some question marks, had some signs of sort of positive transactions in the offseason, but <laughs> we got to play the games and, and, and maybe we're, we're still back at square one. But uh that's really all we got for today. I wanted to say thanks so much for all of you out there for listening to the FBF podcast. Make sure you go check out FanDuel.com and use that code FBF. As always, the FBF podcast can be found for streaming or download on footballbyfootball.com or blogtalkradio.com. You can download the FBF podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, and on the TuneIn Radio app. For daily and fight insightful stuff from these guys like Brady and myself, Make sure to check out footballbyfootball.com Facebook page and give us a follow on Twitter at FB by FB. See you next time. Thanks for listening to the Football by Football podcast. Football insight by football players. Hi, Lucky. Hi, Dusty. Good night, Ned. Good night, Ned. Good night, Ned.